Again, it is the first Sunday of Advent, and we uh, recently, uh, as of last week, finished our journey through the book of Esther, and how fitting it was that Esther leaves us longing for a better king. Uh, Esther leaves us seeing Esther and Mordecai in a place of power and authority, but also seeing King Ahasuerus. Uh, still reigning on the throne and, and even uh, divvying out taxes, more taxes upon his people in his kingdom. And it was the author saying, don't, don't put all of your hope in these people, Esther and Mordecai. Put your hope in the coming Christ who will one day carry the government on his shoulders and who will rule uh, in righteousness forever and ever. It was a perfect providential introduction to the Advent season for here we are in the Gospel of Luke. We're looking at Luke chapter 1 verses 26 through 38 where Gabriel the angel visits Mary the virgin to tell her that she would now bear a son and his name would be Jesus. Many theologians and commentators call this text the Annunciation the announcement of the coming of Christ where Gabriel foretells the birth of Jesus. And so as we turn our attention to God's Word, uh, you can use your own Bibles, you can use your pew Bibles if you uh, feel uh, more comfortable using our bulletins that's there on page 4. But reading in verses 26-38, through 38, these are the words of our Almighty God. And He writes, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man who, whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And He came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and you will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of our God remains forever and ever. This past week, as I was listening to a couple of sermons even on this text, I heard one pastor say that, that the Christmas season is a bit like a well-decorated Christmas tree. 
Now, that, that thought in and of itself caused me to, to stop and pause for a little bit because it wasn't until later on in the sermon that he explained what he meant by that saying, but he went on to say that, that as we have a well-decorated Christmas tree, we have lights and ornaments and, and decorations and tinsel and uh, flowers and picture frames, whatever you put on uh, your tree. But if, if you decorate your tree well, if you look at it from a distance, it's, it's actually hard to tell whether that tree is real or fake. If that tree was bought at a tree farm or if it was just pulled down from your attic, it's hard to tell whether we have the authentic thing or if we have just an imitation of that thing. And he said that sometimes we can treat the Christmas message, the Advent season, in exactly this way. Because we have all the trappings, don't we? We have all those good things uh, that consume our Christmas season. You know, uh, we love the reruns of It's a Wonderful Life and uh, my favorite Christmas movie, Home Alone. Uh, We watch those time and time again and we do all of these wonderful things with all these wonderful traditions. We eat all of this food and we sing all of this music and don't forget the presents. And, And all of a sudden it can be so full of trappings that we almost forget or we almost don't realize that the that the Christmas message that we have is is actually quite real, quite authentic. Because I'll tell you, the, 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 the world that is staring at us will say something along the lines of the Christmas story is just another fable or myth to help us feel better and to warm our hearts during this season. And in fact, what Luke is trying to point us to here is that we have an authentic story. We have a, a true story. Is it full of trappings? Yes, it is full of, of details and facts. But at the same time, we, we look beyond the, the, the traditions of the holiday season and, and we, see, we see a real historical story being told and that's why I think it's so so important for us to to look at gospel accounts during the advent season because because Luke here Luke in particularly is here trying to convince this 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 government official named Philophilus that he may be certain of the story that he is being told if you have your own copies of God's Word, or if you're using a pew Bible, you can even glance up to verse 4. Because Luke tells you he is writing this book so that Philophilus might have certainty concerning the things that have been taught. And so he takes all of these eyewitness accounts. Luke takes all of these eyewitness accounts and he, he orders them to tell the story of Jesus So that Philophilus might be certain that Jesus is really that promised Messiah. That Jesus is really that that promised Son of God who laid down His life for the salvation of His people. So we we look at Luke chapter 1 and we even see the foretelling of the birth of Jesus. and, And Luke writes in such a way that he gives us the facts. 
so that we may have confidence in this story. So that we may be certain of how this story is unfolding. And if there is one thing that we can, that we can be honest about is that the year 2020 has been full of uncertainty. It's been full of uncertainty. You think about even in the last month, the things that have been uncertain for our lives. Right now, there's huge talk about COVID-19 vaccines. Are they effective? Are they worth the side effects? Who's going to be able to get them? And when are we going to be able to get them? There's, there's all of these questions that, that surround this, this vaccine. And at the same time, we're uh, possibly anticipating future lockdowns that we're concerned about. How is the, how is the stock market going to take a, another lockdown? Is another lockdown coming? How severe will this lockdown be? How is our society going to manage? And at the same time, we're sitting around worried about lockdowns and vaccines and, and, and we're dealing with political recounts. And we're dealing with big political personalities who are telling us one thing and then the news media is telling us another and we, we don't know which way is up or down. We don't know what we're supposed to do with these big issues in our lives and, and certainty is hard to come by. And yet Luke writes in a way that we might have certainty concerning the things that we have been taught about Jesus Christ. And I think Luke does this on purpose so that we might understand that this certainty in the gospel is for real world problems. is for real life people. You know, this gospel that, that Luke begins to tell us here in Luke chapter 1 is, is for you and for me, for we are those people who are dealing with uncertain times. Much like Mary is in our text. Much like Joseph will be as he finds out about Mary being with child. Just as the shepherds will be as, as the skies break open and, and angels appear. Just as the wise men will be as they see the star in the east. Just like the disciples will be as Jesus commands them to follow Him. And, and so on and so on. What we see through the Gospel story is that when people encounter the Gospel, they are always in moments of uncertainty. It's a real gospel for a real world with real people. And, and as Luke begins to tell us this, this story of the birth of Jesus as Gabriel appears to Mary, we see a real young woman dealing with real questions, dealing with real fear, dealing with real confusion. And, and notice, not only does Luke give us all of these facts, Notice the facts that he gives us. All this takes place in the sixth month. It takes place in the region of Galilee. It takes place in the city of Nazareth. It takes place to a, to a woman named Mary who is a virgin. He, he tells us detail after detail, fact after fact. And, 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 and yet, he does it in a way that he reveals to us the challenges of what's being told to us, what's being written. 
Because he tells us so many facts that he doesn't actually clean up the account at all. You, you notice, don't you, that we get all the warts and all the bumps and all the confusion and all of the fear right here in this story. Because as, as the angel appears to Mary and begins to talk to her, she's filled with fear. Look at it there in verse 29 with me. She was greatly troubled. As we walk through this text, I want you to see a couple of things about Mary. And that first one is, of course, Mary's fear. If we were to dive into the original text here, it's that Mary is greatly fearful. Even as the angel appears to her and he even calls her, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Mary knows who this Lord is. And yet, even this proclamation of, of favor and grace before her and for her, she, she is still troubled. She is still dealing with this fear. And actually, as the angel continues to, to talk to her, she's actually filled with confusion. Don't you see the challenges, the troubles that, that Luke is telling us as he is unfolding the story before us? We, we love how Mary ends this story. I am a servant of the Lord in great faith. And that will be our final point. But, but notice, it, it takes her a little while to get here. She, she is a, a, a young girl, a young teenage girl who is, who is now being greeted by an angel. And let me just put this out here. The angel doesn't look like the angel on top of your Christmas tree. I, I hate to tell you. But, but this is an angel of the Lord, a mighty warrior of the Lord who has appeared to Mary and she is troubled. She is fearful. And, and do you notice what the angel says? See, we have a, a real gospel for a real world to a real person in a real place. And notice what he says. He, he actually gives her a second greeting. Did you notice that? She's filled with great fear. And the angel said to her there in verse 30, Do not be afraid, Mary. Do not be fearful, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You see, here is the first proclamation of the gospel for Mary. And it's simply the fact that the grace and favor of the Lord casts out fear. Isn't that the reason why Jesus came that the perfect love of Christ may cast out fear. That's why it's the apostle who says that we are not given a spirit of fear, but of love and a sound mind. It is here that, that the angel proclaims a, a grace from the Lord that, that takes away her fear, that, that eradicates her confusion. And, and so it's... It's here that Luke is reminding you that Mary can be just like Philophilus, that, that she might have certainty in the things that she has been taught in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and isn't that a beautiful moment? Because it is here that the favor of the Lord is being lavished upon her. That Luke's telling us that the gospel message is for the person who is fearful about what is coming in the days ahead. It's, it's a gospel that, 
that gives confidence in the midst of confusion. And it's a challenge, isn't it? That that our response when we are approached by the will of the Lord in times of uncertainty might not be fear and confusion, but, but faith and joyful submission. Because it's Luke that's reminding us that That it is us as believers who are often called to do the will of God in seasons of uncertainty. You know, one of the prayers that we have often prayed on Wednesday nights at prayer meeting is that God would use these uncertain times of a pandemic. That, That God would use these uncertain times of political chaos and social unrest to advance His kingdom. That, that we may even hear testimonies of, of God's gospel going out and never returning to us void, even in the midst of a pandemic, that people would come to know Christ through this season of uncertainty and that they might see the certainty that belongs to the Christian as he believes in Christ. That our fear is driven away by the love of the Father through His Son. That our fear is driven away by the gospel of God. That our fear is driven away by the certainty that we can have in Jesus. And notice how the gospel is presented to Mary. You see Mary's fear, right? But then you also see Mary's favor. Because here it is that that the angel Gabriel actually tells Mary twice in his greetings that the reason why she should not be afraid. The reasons that she uh, should not be confused. The reason that she has been approached by the Lord to carry out the will of the Lord is because she is a favored one. Do you see that in verse 28? Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. And then again in verse 30, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. See, it's here that Mary is being declared a favored one. Now, throughout church history, that has been uh, oftentimes uh, misread. That somehow Gabriel is saying here that, that Mary is, ha, ha, has maybe even lived a perfect life. That Mary is sinless in and of herself. That, that somehow she has had... Um, these tokens of good work that she is cashing in to be considered a favored one. But, but Gabriel's words are not for you to focus here on Mary. It's to focus upon the one who has favored her. Who has lavished her with grace and favor. Actually, if you were to dig into the Greek, that word favor is actually trans, uh, translated as grace. And so Mary is one who has experienced grace. And we know a lot about grace, don't we? We know that grace is God's unmerited what? Favor. And so Luke wants you to understand that Mary is is very ordinary. There's nothing special about Mary. She is just a simple teenage girl who's, who's betrothed to the love of her life, Joseph. She's doing what girls do. Falling in love. Getting married. Raising a family. Luke 
Luke actually goes out of his way to help you understand there's nothing special about Mary other than she has experienced the grace of her Lord. This grace has been lavished upon her by by God Himself. And, and, And Gabriel speaks in such a way that he is quick He's quick to show you that this grace only comes from the babe that she will carry. As he begins to talk about who Jesus is, as he begins to talk about what Jesus will do, this this favor that Mary is experiencing from from God Himself is, is all wrapped up in the person and the work of Jesus. And isn't that the same way that grace is given to us through the person and the work of our Lord. Notice what the angel says there for Mary. In verses 31 and and 32, And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and you will bear a son, and you shall call His name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to Him the throne of His father David. You see in those first two verses, Gabriel, the angel, says two things about the identity of Christ. First, he tells us that Jesus will be fully, truly man. He'll be truly human. Think about it as Gabriel speaks. You will conceive in your womb and you will bear a son. And you'll name him Jesus. Notice what Gabriel is saying. Gabriel's saying Jesus isn't going to appear like I appeared today. Here it is, Mary's in her home, and all of a sudden the angel of the Lord appears. That's not going to be Jesus. She is going to be pregnant. He is going to be in her womb. She will deliver Him and nurse Him. And He will grow and mature and He will be taught and instructed. There will be things that He needs to learn. And there will be times He needs to sleep. And He'll need to eat when He's hungry. And He will... Weep like he does at the tomb of Lazarus. And and all of these things will happen because he is truly man. It's exactly what we confess together in the Nicene Creed. If you'll look back at that creed that we confess together, it says, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made. And and then it says, and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man. Here it is that we see the, the beauty of the gospel that, that Jesus was, was truly, fully, really a man. He took upon Himself the, the frailties of, of human flesh. And, and don't we see that at the crucifixion? Because you notice, don't you? That after it says He was made man, it says that He was crucified. And you think about the flesh of a man as He is suffering death. As the nails were pierced into His hand, He bled. As the crown of thorns was, was, was beaten upon His brow, He bled. He thirsted upon the cross. He died where His human heart quit beating. All of this to prove to us that He was indeed just a a man. He was a man in the flesh. He was truly 
human in mind and in heart and in soul and in body. But then Gabriel says that he is an extraordinary man because not only is he truly man, really man, but he is also the son of the Most High God. So he is truly, really, fully God. Fully God and fully man. God of God, light of light, very God of very God, but in His incarnation became man. I love what the Apostle John says in John chapter 1. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that is Jesus that He is talking about there in His prologue to the Gospel. And you think, well Matt, why does all of this matter? Why why is Gabriel so uh, intent on telling Mary about Jesus' identity? Why, as the Catechism puts it, why must Jesus be both God and man with, with two distinct natures and one person forever? It's so that He may complete our salvation. You, you notice, don't you, that, that He must be man so that He can sympathize with us in our weaknesses. He must be man so that He could experience our sorrows. He must be man so that He could die in our place. He must be man so that He can bear our guilt and pay our ransom. He must be man so that He might die so that we might live. And on the other hand, this baby must be fully God, eternal God, Son of the Most High, so that He might be able to pay that infinite debt that we owe to a Holy Father. You notice what the the author of Hebrews says. It says that the blood of bulls and goats can never satisfy the penalty of our sin. And, And yet, God sent His only Son to be that ransom to pay the penalty of our sin, that that infinite penalty that we owe. You see, we have a huge problem. Our sinfulness is much bigger, much deeper than we ever imagined. It's it's actually infinite in its capacity. And, And for us to be paid in full, we need an infinite sacrifice. And so here it is that that, that the angel Gabriel is saying that he will be fully man. And yet at the same time, he will be fully God so that he might complete his mission. And what is his mission? It's right there for us in the text. So first, that he might renew us. That he might make us new creations. You, you, you see it there in verse 34. And the Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Notice he really doesn't answer her. He just begins to talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He says the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Now, Gabriel is being very intentional on the, on the language that he's using. And he uses that same language that we see in Genesis 1. Where, where the Spirit is, is hovering over creation as the Spirit is overshadowing creation, bringing about life for the first time. 
And, and what Gabriel is proclaiming here is that the Spirit of God through the work and person of Jesus Christ will hover over the believer and will overshadow the believer and make them new creatures in Christ. Isn't that what Paul says? The, the old has been, has been eradicated. The old has been taken off and now we are new creatures belonging to Jesus Christ. We're given a new humanity. We're given a new heart. We're given a new beginning. We're given a new story. But also at the same time, not only is He the renewer of the believer, but He is the King. You notice, don't you? In verse 33, He will be given the house of Jacob forever and He will be given a kingdom that knows absolutely no end. Here it is that, that Gabriel is, is discussing here for us that that promise in Isaiah chapter 9 that we probably know well. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of his reign there shall be no end. You see, Jesus, this promised Messiah that, that Gabriel is speaking to Mary here. He says that this Jesus is the Redeemer. He, he is the Rescuer of His people. And He is the reigning King. The reigning Savior forever and ever. You, you see, don't you, that, that Gabriel speaks in such a way that he is applying this very truth to Mary. He's applying this truth that Mary... You will bear a son. His name will be Jesus. And He will be the rescuer of your sins. He will be the redeemer of His people. He will be the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the reigning Savior forever and ever. You know, there's a, there's a, uh, a Christmas song that many of us love uh, entitled, Mary, Did You Know? And, and, and there's a funny joke about that that song that that I must tell you because because you, you, the whole song's asking, Mary, did you know that this baby boy would rule the nations, would heal the sick, all these wonderful things? And the joke is, yes, she knew because Luke one tells you so. Gabriel tells Mary that this that this Redeemer King would do all these miraculous and supernatural things also that we might be a people belonging to Him that He would in and of Himself be fully God and fully man and that He might bestow upon His people grace and favor. And then, of course, we see finally... The faith of Mary, because we've seen her fear, haven't we? And we've seen her favor. The grace that's been lavished upon her. Now we see her faith as she begins to respond to this good news that the angel has told her. Here it is that her fear and confusion are being casted out right before our eyes. And now we see rejoicing, confidence, Submission, obedience. And notice how kind the angel is to Mary in this proclamation. In verse 36, 
Here it is, Mary going, how can this be? How can, how can I bear a son? I'm a virgin. And notice how he meets her in kindness and, and actually gives her what? Evidence, right? We've talked about facts. We've talked about evidence through this sermon. And it says, And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. And then verse 37 is so important as, as love casts out fear. For nothing will be impossible with God. And, and as, as, as this evidence is laid out before her, you see Mary's faith begin to grow. As the promise of, of John the baptizer is given, the forerunner of Jesus, the, the cousin of Jesus, the son of Elizabeth, it's as if Gabriel is, is saying, Mary, if your relative Elizabeth in her old and barren age may bear a son that will be miraculously and supernaturally and, and providentially governed by God, there is nothing that the Lord cannot do. And so He will give you a son who will be the Son of the living God, who will be the Messiah of God's people. And, and here it is that Gabriel is laying out evidence so that you might have full confidence, so that you might have certainty in the promise of Jesus. You know, it, it, it's a proclamation, isn't it? That, that our faith isn't just some blind leap in the dark, but it's like Abraham in Romans chapter 4 where we are fully convinced of God and His promises. And that, and that is what we see happening before Mary and in Mary's heart even in these closing verses because, because no longer is she skeptical. No longer is she confused. No longer is she fearful. But she has entrusted her life in the providence and the sovereign will of her God. And so she says this, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. This right there in verse 38. You know, sometimes we come even into the church and we are skeptical about the promises and the claims of Christ. And sometimes we even fall into that thinking that this story of Jesus is just some sort of pie in the sky Story where, 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 we are, where we are given some encouragement just to kind of press on. But, but, but Gabriel lays out the evidence in such a way that we can be certain of the days ahead. He, he lays it out in such a way that we can be certain of, of the facts that exist in this story. That we can be certain in the person and the work of Jesus. And so, if you are here this morning and you are some sort of skeptic, let me invite you to keep reading the Gospel of Luke because here it is that Jesus will prove to be who exactly Gabriel says He will be. Here it is that, that, that Gabriel is proclaiming this Jesus will be the Savior of sinners and Jesus will lay down His life. For those sinners. And He will give you the evidence that will, that will answer any of your hard and ugly questions. And, and you 
will be compelled to see Jesus for who He is. And that's the real blessing that exists here this Advent season because because here it is that, that Jesus will be born. We know the story well. He'll be born of a virgin on that holy night there in the manger and He will indeed grow in favor. And He will begin to teach. His public ministry will begin to roar throughout the known region. And there in Luke chapter 11, Luke records for us a story about a a lady who was hearing the, the teachings of Jesus and she is so gripped by the Gospel that she, that she proclaims out loud how great it must have been to be the mother of Jesus. How great it must have been to be taught by Him even at a young age. How great and how much of a blessing it must be to be His mother. And Gabriel says there is real blessing in that. But, but do you remember how Jesus responds to that lady in chapter 11? She says, blessed is the woman who gets to be your mom. And Jesus says, no, blessed rather are those who hear the Word of God and keep it. You know, here it is that the real blessing for us this Advent season is that we hear the Word of God, that we hear the promises of the Gospel, that we hear the free offer of of favor and grace and how we are bound up with Jesus, our King and the friend of sinners. And like Mary, our response should be, behold, because of the Gospel, because of that grace and favor that has been bestowed upon me, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to Your Word. Would you come to Christ this morning with that posture? Would you come to Christ with that submission and trust? I hope you will. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.